I'm Nadia Cheney. I am so excited to welcome you to the Adaptogen podcast, where we learn the journeys, the obstacles, the obsessions, and the professional tips from facilitators all over the world. So show me where you go when it's ugly, you know, so that I can see you fully. And then let me stand here and let you come back. You know, that's to me, like that's holding space. My name is Bridget Tierney. I am currently living in Montreal, Quebec, which is where I am from. And a city I have not lived in for like 15 years, 17 years. And I just came back to, and I'm um, very grateful to be walking these streets. And I work at Bloom as a facilitator and doing some communications work for them as well. So tell me, do you, can you even kind of pinpoint where facilitation started or community work started for you? My timelines are a bit skewed. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to like put things in place. Um, I'm not married to time being a line. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could tell it however you want. You could start, you could also start from now and go backwards if you like. No, it's kind of fun to try to think about the timeline and to try to think of like when I first felt held like in a facilitated way. Um, So I think like everything from like sports teams and coaches that are good, like emotionally intelligent coaching can -hmm. feel a lot like facilitation, um, like supporting a group to achieve something, to grow in a certain way, to connect with each other. Um, so like, you know, I played sports in my, in my youthdom and then <laughs> when I was after SAGEP, whenever that is, I did Canada World Youth. Oh, you did? Yeah. Which was like a secret society, kind of like facilitators. Like if you did it, there was like these connections between us, you know, um, between all participants who had kind of shared a similar experience, no matter where they went and what happened. So I did that and Whoa, that's uh, super interesting, B. Can we just <laughs> can we just talk of I, I want to hear, I want to get, I'm gonna know where you are in the story, but can we talk a little bit about the secret society for a second? It's just okay. Well, I feel like it doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Canada, I I think Canada World Youth has changed, obviously. Hopefully, um, it has evolved in all the ways that things um international development and volunteering abroad should and have. Um but it's, yeah, it was, if I met somebody, like I remember I met somebody in university and he had done Canada World Youth and you kind of just like exchange like an extended eye contact, like, oh, you know? <laughs> yeah, and you feel that with facilitators too. I Yeah, kind of. Well, yeah. the facilitators I jam with and I definitely feel it with jammers, like with like folks who do jams, which we can get into. Um, maybe they've already shown up on the podcast, but um, yeah, people who've had like kind of shared group experiences where inevitably given the format I guess similar things happen I've noticed that too but it never occurred to me to think secret society (laughs) (laughs) I love it I think it's so fun I think you're right okay it's kind of like that extended eye contact kind of is like it's like the good the bad it's all of it you know it's not just like oh like it's not like immediate love and warmth it's like oh that was a thing you know I know where you've been yeah yeah (laughs) and like maybe it was messy over there huh you know and you're like yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) I wish the listeners could see your face (laughs) do do the extended eye contact yeah absolutely I love that it's really it is true and I'm already seeing it even in the podcast the links yes Uh, really interesting okay okay so you're at Canada World Youth 
I'm a Canada dude. And we had these great leaders who did their best to hold a really vast grouping of people together um, through like some pretty extenuating circumstances. So the, the format of Canada World Youth, which I was really drawn to, is that you spend half the time in Canada and half the time abroad and where you're going abroad. So those folks come to Canada and then you all go together abroad. So it's truly like a bit of an exchange and it kind of combats or attempts to, or at least acknowledge some of those power imbalances that make going abroad really hard and not so great. Mm -hmm. um, so in my case, like Tanzanians came to Perry Sound, Ontario. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> they were the only black people in town. And uh, us Canadians who were from across Canada um, all went to Tanzania at the end. And you live together with like a partner throughout the whole thing. Um, yeah, when I, when I talk about it, it still kind of feels like fantastical because it, you know, it was kind of unbelievable. Um, anyways, I had a leader there who, who was maybe like a first facilitator. And, um, you know, I remember we did like check-ins and things like that. And I remember really kind of like formatively, it was the first time I was asked to consider like how much space I was taking up. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Which was really valuable. Yeah. And sort of like how I affected a group dynamic, like the relational aspects of being in a group, which like I had already, I had always kind of navigated personally, like. I feel insecure in this group or I feel really good in this group or whatever, but um, it had never been like such a random grouping maybe. Hmm. And so that re the relational was brought to me. Anyways, that was good. That was really valuable. <laughs> I carried it Yeah. With and those early experiences can be good or, or so harsh sometimes. Yeah. So this yeah, person well, knew how to hold that or how to give feedback in that way. Well, it actually, it wasn't him. It was a participant. Um, yeah, who who gave me that feedback and like um this is part of the secret society is getting <laughs> getting really intense personal feedback and then living with it. Well, because you live in such intense circumstances too. You're like right. on top of each other and you're doing all these hard things. And some people had never been abroad because it does try to like bring together like really diverse folks who may may not have had the opportunity to travel, so on and so forth. Um anyway, I remember kind of noticing like oh, this works with the group and this doesn't work so much. So like my brain was already like taking over. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to be running the show, which. Wow. Um, You're like 20 at this time. Yeah, I'm 20. Um, and I think most significantly outside of the facilitation, it was like so humbling and so life-changing to just figure out like, to really understand like early on, like whiteness, the issues of international development, like what I know and what I don't know, what I'm given like power over <clears throat> without having any knowledge. Um, so it was like a crash course. It totally like blew up my world in all the best ways. Um, like what friendship means and cross-culturally how we connect with each other. Like it was really, really powerful and beautiful and intense. And it, it like softened something in my body, heart, mind, spirit to like how I exist in the world. Like my self-awareness just like, <clears throat> this is complicated. This world we live in is complicated and my role in it is complicated. And that was really huge. Cause then after that, I went to university and I like at 20, or I guess I was 20 at this point going to university, <clears throat> you know, like I couldn't sit in my international development classes anymore. And just like taking that information, I was like, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. 
this isn't going to work. Like we need, we need something new here. Like I was really like, yeah, just in a different place. So um, it was huge. Wow. So you kind of already got this like distinction between <laughs> education and facilitation. Yes. Beautiful. And these like, these like, you know, experiential opportunities to learn in a yeah. group. Yeah. And what the, what that really can do for your psyche, for your body, mind, spirit, what that really can mean. Okay. This is exciting. So then keep going. So where did you go to university? Actually? I don't even know that. I went to UBC in oh, Vancouver okay. Yeah. on a whim. I had never <laughs> been. <laughs> a friend was there and she's like, you can ski, you can play rugby, you can do everything. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's, let's try it. And so off I went. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, university was like similar, maybe a lot of like opportunities to learn some experiences, some group dynamics, bad facilitation by way of teachers. And then like, you know, those few teachers that were really good that yeah. would like put it back to the group. Like, what do you know? And like challenge me and push. And then like, you know, that was that exchange, that kind of like, that kind of learning was like, oh, this is so cool and fun. And I have something to contribute and I'm, we're really in dialogue here. Um, so I don't, I don't flush it all away, but you know, also starting to see how I fit in and what works for me and what doesn't as much. Um, and then in university, I went to Cape Town on exchange. And again, like, I think I did some volunteering and like some community work there. And that's when I really fell into like the arts world, um, working with artists and like watching how they change the world versus how like political scientists thought about transformation or didn't. Huh. <laughs> so I always like, I attribute Cape Town to like that that shift in like, okay, we're learning, we're growing, we're changing, but like in the arts, we're using the arts to like really make this happen and to like connect people. What were, what was the difference that you were really noticing? Like when you say, so what, what is it that political scientists are trying to do in terms of transformation? I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah me <laughs> neither. That's what I'm what, what I saw is like a lot of focus on institutions and like improving mm. institutions that like yeah, we okay. all know don't work, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. and yeah, like, whereas really with the arts, it's like inside out with the arts. Yeah, and it's like, it's tangible and it's emotive. And it's like, yeah, like I, I worked with these artists called the Google Active. Um, and they were like in Google Active, which is like a township outside Cape, Cape Town. And they were exhibiting art in the township like beautiful fine art style, contemporary art in the township. And they would organize buses to like bring people from the city to the townships. And like, that was radical. That was extremely radical because people didn't move between. And then to move between and be confronted with like a cultural product you were not anticipating, you know, like it was, it was changing the world. It was truly like, and I was like, oh, mm. this is it, you know? Okay, okay. And like sitting in their community hub, like listening to hip hop, you know, like I was like, oh my God, this is, this is cool. And, you know, they welcomed me in a really sweet way. And a couple of us kind of hung out and I ended up doing some research and, and writing on that group. So that was really cool. I also worked with like a newspaper project with these kids. Um, they like wanted to make a newspaper in their little township and they were so smart and like obsessed with Shakespeare and like, I, everyone was just like culture jamming everywhere and my mind was just like exploding and that's very true for Cape Town like Cape Town 
you've been, it feels that way or it felt like that to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was feeding this, like this world that I wanted to live in. I think like, I was like, this is yeah. the world I want to live in. Yeah. And so, so how like, did you get in there then? So that you, you sort of must've started hatching a plan at this point. Like, how am I going to get, make this the world I live in? Well, I was just like, how, I, I, I think for the first time I remember feeling like this feels really good. This feels really good. This feels like something just aligned in terms of like time, place, people, heart, soul, body again. And I was like, this is cool. And I haven't, I don't often feel this way. Mm -hmm. And an acute awareness, like this isn't my place. This isn't my home. And like, I'm not, I'm a stranger here. And that's, that's the right thing. And I, I don't like, I was like, I'm going to stay here forever, but like, I can't, I can't stay here. Um, which I had already felt having lived abroad, but I felt it really strongly and clearly again in Cape Town. So I went back to Vancouver and in Vancouver, I think when I came back, I graduated and I started like working and stuff. And then I, that's when I started um, at YouthCo in the theater troupe. Uh, YouthCo! <laughs> you know. Tell us about YouthCo. Ah, <laughs> uh, YouthCo is so cool. <laughs> is is so cool. Youthco is so cool. Youthco is a youth-led, youth-driven HIV and STI health organization. And I actually I don't know if the theater troupe still exists, to be honest. But I hope it does. Me too. Yeah. But when I was there, they had a theater troupe, and it was a friend of mine was in the theater troupe, and she was like, "You got to do this. You're gonna love this." And I had already been in the theater world as like a kid and stuff. Um, but she was like, it's like social justice and theater and sexual health and HIV activism and everything. So, and I really wanted to join, but they had like a plethora of white women and the waiting list for, for my identities, which was great also and fair. And but eventually a space opened up and I, I joined there. And that was like, that was my first real facilitated experience. And again, it, it really changed my life. It, um, that was like a vulnerable heart space. And I am a very vulnerable heart person, but I don't have an easy time expressing myself or connecting with others in that way. Um, intellectually, absolutely. Intellectualizing emotions, even better. <laughs> but feeling them and sharing them and taking up space in that way really, really hard. And so then seeing the way like facilitation could support that and then the mm. impact of that on our group mm. and then on the folks we were working with was like, that was very, very deep, deep work for me and uh, powerful, really powerful work. Um, so many people have come through that program. Yeah. We, we didn't even know each other that when you were there, I don't think. No, no, we didn't. But I knew of you because they had all come through. What did Anna and Danielle, where did they work before? Safe team. Safe team. Yeah, Anita Roberts, the safe team, the violence prevention program. Yes. In and schools. they had trained with PYE. Kind of, yeah. There was some yeah. crossover, but Anita had her own facilitation method. Well, maybe once I left YouthCo, I found out that a lot of people had kind of come through. Power of Hope, maybe. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a kind of a lot of the power of hope facilitators would come to safe teen who were in Vancouver. There was like, it wasn't, it, nothing was official until later, but like you said, it's a secret society, right? So it's like, Hey, 
and Anita paid really well and the work was really good. And, and yeah, and it was so interesting because it was the kind of facilitation where you use a script. Mm. So it was totally different than what we were doing at Pi or what you were doing at Youthco. But I learned, uh, did Youthco have a script, the theater work? I mean, doesn't Pi have a script? I guess it does kind of, yeah. I guess it does have a script. But the, <laughs> the, the, the safety in one was like, say these things. Like, okay. this is, it was a script, right? Not, a, not an outline. Right. In that yeah. sense. Yeah, and I guess like now we're looking at a really interesting continuum, which ends up with Bloom, I think, on quite the far other end, which we're going to get to. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but Safety was so great. That script work was so great for me. I, I don't, I feel like I learned so many skills from doing that. Yeah. You know, I honed all the other stuff because I knew what I was going to say. <laughs> It's hard to think of everything at once. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so so Anna and Danielle were Anna Soul and what's Danielle's? Lynn, uh, I only know on Facebook now. Danielle Lynn on Facebook. So so you'd heard of Pi a little bit. Well, Pi didn't exist then, but Power Folk did. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, so I I theater trooped, and yeah, just just had a really very special, very special time. Very like queer, so soft, so tender so loving like I don't was know was Caitlin Paget running it then no oh no I don't remember yeah it's so long ago ah it's nice it's bringing back all these memories of that time I know pre-olympics Vancouver during the olympics for me okay. was my time at youth go oh wow okay yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was sleeping in a room that was like between two rooms with like, it was a closet. I was sleeping there. I was working at the keg. I was hanging out at tent city during the Olympics and I was in theater troupe at youth go. So it was like, wow, that's a real constellation of experience. That's really fascinating. The keg for people who are listening, who don't know, it's a, is like a steakhouse, like a bar and steakhouse kind of place. Yeah. Yeah. And tent city was, um, where the people who were displaced during the Olympics were living. Yeah, I mean, it was a big protest kind of of the Olympics and like maintaining presence in the downtown east side. Yeah. Yeah. Did you age out of Youth Co eventually? I didn't. I moved to Toronto, interrupted my Youth Co time, which, you know, I think will be one of the top 10, like, did I make the right choice for the rest of my life um, to start my master's? So I left. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I would have aged out pretty soon. And then I, I did my master's. I kind of kept up the community arts, kept seeing what was what was true in there, um, sort of like more intellectually and looking everywhere for anything that felt like theater true. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um the depth, the emotional connections and relationships yeah. and purposefulness. And the security and the mm. like space to be me. Like when I got to Toronto, especially like from a queer perspective, I felt like it was really like, like you got to go all in or there was like, if it felt for me very, and I think it was because I was like kind of coming out um, more officially maybe, but it was like not as fluid feeling. Like Youth Go was just like, the, it was like the future. It was so fluid. Anything goes, this person dates that person, gender, sexuality, like it really was a spectrum. And it was so, oh, like, reassuring for my my being it felt like the truest thing I'd ever felt a lot to say wow (laughs) yeah 
I wonder how many people in hearing this will will relate to the desire to create that for young people. Oh my God. You know? The practice, the really deep practices that bring groups like that together. And the whole constellation of factors that go all the way from the funding to the location, everything that can make that possible just to, and to see, to hear how long that's been with you, that feeling, I can see it yeah. on your face. It's still so alive for you. And like, so interesting to see that what you can harness in the group that does the work carries out into the world that offers the work. Yes. Like if we can take care of each other and like live into this world, then we can bring it out and share it. And when we do, everybody wins like that impact. And we brought it into a lot of like harder spaces than my own existence, I would say for sure. And that transformation was just like, I saw it everywhere we went. That's so beautiful. I know. That is so meaningful. And it brings me back to the question of what are political scientists trying to do? You know, what does it mean to really trans to do the work yourself and then take it outside? Totally. Yeah. And like so to, amazing. to hold that vulnerability and that self-awareness and that transformation, like, I keep coming up with these big issue kind of spaces and I'm like, basics, basics. Like, mm -hmm. are you honest with yourself? Mm -hmm. Are you inviting the person that you're standing next to, to like, are they, are you inviting them to be honest with themselves? Are you honest with each other? And I like feel silly when I'm like, I swear that will change the world. But like, I believe it with every like ounce of my body. And that it's not a given. No, and it's not that and easy. It's so hard to do. Yeah. yeah. It, it blows my mind. And that's, you know, not to jump 10 years ahead, but when I think about facilitating now, I think like, how can we softly walk towards like something that is easy and so hard to get to? Yeah. Like, can I help you get to that thing that I swear once we're there, we're going to be like, that was so easy. But I know that the path there is not. Yeah. And that's kind of all I think about now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's the question that you're working with right now. That's yeah. And like really a lot of it is like, can I like, like, <laughs> this is something I learned from you, which is like, out love them and outlast them. Mm, I got that from Hanif Fazal. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I don't think of it so much now as like a stamina question, which I think was truer when was, we were yeah, yeah. groups and like, yeah. keep it moving, you know, but I think yeah. of it now, like, I really do think of it as love. Like, can I love you? Can I show you love? And can that love touch you? And like, just open like a little path in front of you. Yeah. Enough for a step or a couple of steps just to try something new. Cause when, when I think when I, when I try something new, then I see like, okay, that's possible. That's not so bad. Let's see, let's see where we go, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And, and we're, we're really trained out of it. I think like, um, work and, and education are, are, and even a lot of family dynamics are about like, uh, can you hide your truth? 
sufficiently? Uh, can you hide it for other people? Can you perform things in this way? Can you reshape yourself? Reshaping, I guess that's the thing, mm -hmm. is reshaping yourself. Whereas what you're calling for is almost the complete opposite. Yeah, just like a little bit more you. What's a little bit truer for you today? Yeah. I love that. And I get so excited. Like I cheer when it's like ugly. I cheer. Like, I'm like, oh, wait, go back to that one. Ooh, that was a <laughs> shitty comment. That was good. That was true. You know, that was honest. I like that one. I think that's so sweet. It's very radical what you're talking about. I think a lot of people are very frightened of that. I think, I think including facilitators to go back to the shitty comment and to say, what's this doing in the group? What is it? What is its transformational potential? What does it mean to you? That takes a, lot of, you? takes a lot of technique, actually. Yeah. I'd love to know how you pull that off, Bridget. <laughs> Well, to be honest, like, again, it kind of comes back to, and again, I don't know if we're like skipping all over the place and try to bring me back if we need to, but um, I, I find that more in like my community of practice, like the people I'm working with, mm. like in the jam space, you know, my jam team, we're jamming as much as we're inviting people to jam. And it's like, what's coming up in our debrief, you know, what's coming up. And that's when I'm like, let me hear the truth. Let's go. Like, let, if we want to go deeper, I need to know what's going on for you. And I need it to be true. I don't even need the prepared version. I don't even need the stretch zone version. Like show me your panic zone, show me where you go and it's ugly, you know, so that I can see you fully. And then let me stand here and let you come back. You know, I'll, that's to me, like that's holding space. Go there yes. and then come on back. That's you holding know? space. Yeah. 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 And I, I remember from PYE, you know, offering something and then inviting the question like who hated that yeah oh i cheer anyone tell me <laughs> tell me you hated it that would be so great you know then we're gonna get somewhere because we i'm i just want you to be you and take care of yourself and then i think we'll, we'll take good care of each other you know yeah but all to say in a, in a group where there is not as much trust and where even if I know in my heart, I am offering you love, mm -hmm. why would you trust me? Right. So then it's mm -hmm. harder for me to say, Hey, that was a really shit comment. And I loved it. But like, what's going on for you? Like I, that takes time. That's like, that would be kind of shocking to somebody I think to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as much as like, truly, that's what my spirit wants to do in those moments. It's one of the things I really appreciate about you and always have is your ability to your desire to be direct. Hmm. Um, I, I've, I've noticed it over and over again. And I feel like I can imagine it getting you into quandaries all the time, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it makes you the rock that you are in a group situation. You know, I just have, Oh, you just, you don't, you're not hiding it. And I don't have to wonder. I don't have to wonder what you think. You know, <laughs> it's such a beautiful quality. Thank you. So yeah. I have, I have tried to sort of mediate it a little bit more <laughs> as I become more aware of like how I'm received, but I think mm -hmm. the harder part is to be direct and like, um, loving that's mm -hmm. the hard part because direct without the love feels harsh. Yeah. It's blunt. And, and to me, direct is really loving. 
I don't want to lie. If I love you, I don't want to lie to you. Did you have that in your family? Is that something that you learned before? Or is that something that you kind of grew into in the facilitation work? I think it's something I didn't have in my family, actually. Mm. I think in my family, love was like, you know, leave it alone a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think as a kid, that means I, that meant I felt missed a lot. Mm. You know, like, why aren't we saying the thing that's happening? Because it's making me feel a bit alone. And what I find in other people is that if we're, if I can see it makes them feel alone too, if no one's naming something that's happening for them because we're trying to be safe or protect them, mm. it, it feels like it starts to create some isolation. Right. Right. And so I aspire, I'm also a Virgo and a Cancer. So I think that combination is telling, but I aspire to tell you the truth because I love you and I want to stay connected to you. And because I, I can see some things going on. Mm-hmm. It, it's just the work is figuring out how to say it so that it can be heard and received. Yeah. And for myself too, you know. So you're in Toronto and you're searching for this feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what oh. kind of things did you find? <laughs> oh God. Nothing. No. Why? no you know what I searched I really did search I was like starving for a youth go feeling um and I did a master's at York and I I found myself in the environmental studies department which is like very kind of cool and jammy and like alternative sort of ways of learning and so I did like some cultural production classes which like had circles and you know, community art style projects. Like for my final project, I did like a mask making workshop with another person. Incredible. Um, So I I sort of started finding it and just again, feeling like what happens to me when I'm there versus in in another kind of class where I'm just sort of checked out and and not learning in the same ways. Um, And then we started doing some theater of the oppressed work with some lawyers, which um, I'm still connected to now or connected to those folks. And with those two people, Jeff and Francesca, <laughs> we had a group called Collaborative, Le- I don't even remember, Clay. And we saw, um, so by now I've already done PYE trainings. I should just add that piece. So I found it there, but that was back in Vancouver. Right. Yeah. So a little bit started there and that felt great. Facilitation, like I think coming into my own training and combining it with the theater work, the youth co work, like really kind of getting more refined as a practitioner and imagining myself like in that role in a, in a more full way. Um, and you, I met you. And that's, I think when we started talking about bringing this to Toronto for the first time. Yes. Bringing pie to Toronto. Yes. And so I think this is all happening at the same time. And then we did a couple trainings and that was, you know, that was kind of like the magic I was looking for. And as a facilitator, I wasn't a participant. So it was- You still weren't getting what you really needed, yeah. I wasn't getting my group therapy anymore. Yeah, you weren't getting held in that way. I wasn't getting held. I wasn't like flourishing in this fucking phenomenal group of people. Anyway, but you know, it was like, it was showing me that this world was like possible and big and the community arts world in Toronto that we sort of tapped into with Pi, like that was good. I was like, this is cool. This is how I want to- Sketch and- Yes. Yeah. 
and I started meeting great people, Natty Tremblay, you know, like I was like, these are, these are my people. Like that's, you know, I don't know if I was saying that then, but if I look back now, like they are, they are. And one day I saw a little flyer on paper. We always tell this story at the jam that said like, come to a mini jam. It was like a, a little, <laughs> little promo flyer. And I said to Jeff and Francesca, do you want to go to this thing? I'm going to go check it out. They said, yes. And off we went to this mini Amuse Bouche jam and Shilpa Jane and her husband, Austin were in town for a wedding and they did a little mini jam to see if Toronto had an appetite for the jam. And so I went to that and like so many people that I'm still in relationship with were there. And that's when I walked into the jam world. And we've, we've heard from Francesca already, but yeah. I'm dying to hear what it meant to you to walk into that space. I've never been to one for context. I know. Yes, I know. I've never been to Burning Man either. <laughs> There's so many things I think I would have missed in your brain. Yeah, just nah. things I missed. Things I missed in the early days. I don't think I could do Burning Man because it's like, what if I'm uncomfortable physically? That's yeah, my back then, for. you know, I mean the beginning. Like I would have loved to see the beginning of the jam. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I think what I loved is like getting intimate and vulnerable strangers. Mm. I love that. Like, I don't do that with my best friends and we do other things that I totally love and value, but like, I love, like, yeah, ask me my most personal question and no, I don't want to know what you do for a living. And that was what I had loved about youth co. I didn't know what anybody did for a living. I didn't know what anybody like where they lived, but like, I knew these like inside parts of them. And so it's like this inversion of how I'd live my whole life. Everybody knew who I was in my whole life, but nobody knew my inside pieces. And now I'm doing this inside sharing, but you don't know my outside stuff. And I was like, this is so cool. This is so cool. And that's what the gem felt like. And yeah. it felt like, wow, it felt soft and it felt nuanced. I had sort of walked into a couple activist spaces in Toronto that didn't feel that way. They didn't feel heart-centered. I experienced some of that in Vancouver too with more formal kind of activism and so much value and love for that work, but like maybe not as loud and strong for my myself. Mm -hmm. And the jam was like playful. It was fun. And it had this like incredible diversity of people. I know that word is annoying, but it really was like people from all different kinds of places showing up and sharing this thing, mm -hmm. which I also love. Mm -hmm. I love that. I don't want you to be exactly like me. Maybe it's because I grew up in Montreal as an Anglo. A lot of us are very much alike. We always joke, like if you opened any one of our fridges growing up, everyone had the same food, you know? <laughs> don't want that. I want to meet, I love hanging out and meeting different kinds of people and, you know, people who ended up being a whole lot like me in retrospect, but in the moment <laughs> we feel really different. Mm. Um, like the inside was a lot like you. Yeah. Um, and then we all ended up moving to like the same three blocks in Toronto, you know, like that's how <laughs> Toronto works. <laughs> um, yeah, it felt good. I think it felt good. I mm, felt like, oh, yeah, I think these people kind of like me. I think this yeah. feels kind of good. This is fun. 
And the jam is like everybody's facilitating and everybody's participating somewhere. It's like, oh, it's not. Oh, it's not. That's what I've always imagined. This kind of <laughs> no. chaos. Oh, it's oh my god. No, that is so chaotic, Nadia. I could yeah, never. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. You. No, that's why, it, it, that's why it's associated with Burning Man. In my <laughs> oh, this is good. I may cut this out of the, the podcast. But you don't know. That's so funny. <laughs> that's what you thought, and that like as facilitators were like, that's horrifying to imagine. No, it could be beautiful <laughs> to imagine. Yeah. Um, like open space, I imagine it kind of like open spacey. No, sometimes we gift people open space technology. <laughs> But no, we have um, facilitators mm. who we call facilitants because they also actively participate. Mm. And the invitation is like truly one of presence. Like it's less about the perfect facilitation and more about like, can you be present in the space? And can you be fully present mm. in the space? And when you're not facilitating, you are a participant. So we have a big team and we kind of swap off session to session is the structure of the jam team. Mm. Can't wait to... Can't wait to experience it. Yeah. Yeah. So then from there, we formed a jam team because I was like, okay, if I want this, I have to maybe grow it here. Mm -hmm. And we did. We started growing it. And, you know, and I think Francesca was there. Rihanna was there. Yeah. Yeah. So the first jam team was myself, Rihanna, Nisha, um, Lisa Thacker, and Shilpa. And we were all at that little mini jam that, that day. And then I think like at the last jam, there was like six other people who had been at that mini jam hmm. who had just sort of been, Toronto has a pretty, we all kind of find each other in some ways. Um, and so I started facilitating there at the, on the jam team and hosting these annual or biannual jams in Toronto. Um, and then I started working in community arts and I, that's when I really started facilitating on a regular basis, working with youth who are, for me, the best teachers of facilitation, but I take every practice they have gifted me and bring it to adults who need the exact same things ultimately. Yeah. And so then you're, now you're like working in community centers and schools, kind of like uh, freelancing? No, now I'm working at the Toronto International Film Festival. Oh, of course. Yeah. Running their youth and community programs. Mm. So like building programming for youth and like film programs and community and using like a full active facilitation to guide and structure and design those programs. Wow. Big gig. Yeah. <laughs> and then you did that for quite a while. Yeah. Forever. For, you're not doing it now, but that, but that would have been the last job you had before what you're doing now. Uh, kind of. I remember meeting people you would send over to the pie trainings. Mm -hmm. Always, ama always amazing folks. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, like really building a practice and inviting people into it. And then like using that to like solidify our approach, which right. was like really radical and really inclusive and like brought in a lot of the words that we're focused on now, equity, inclusion, accessibility, but it was part of the like mantra of facilitating. It was part of like making folks feel like this was for them. Yep. You know, this wasn't being put on them. This was being like something they were being invited into. Mm -hmm. So I'm so grateful I had that, you know, understanding before I had these big words, which can feel really kind of complex and alienating to some, or maybe hard to achieve. I don't even know what I mean when I say that, but that that was just like an inevitable, that was like the pillars of, good facilitation that's it yeah and and it and in that context it's impossible to do mm -hmm. it in a 
disembodied way. It's, it's, they don't, it doesn't make any sense. You're, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're not talking about it. And you're and sometimes not even naming it. Yeah, no, no. How many people do you think went through that program as you were designing that method? Well, every year we had like 12 teenagers on our programming committee. So that was 12 times six or seven. And then all the community groups I worked with, I mean, lots, lots and lots. Big ripple. Yeah. Amazing. And you know, the good thing is for them, they were just like, oh, that was a fun workshop. I felt good. Yeah. That's all it has to be. Yeah. It goes in the bones. That's how I learned all the work, right? It goes in the bones. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be a mind blowing experience. No. But again, you know, like even when we would do like Q and A's and we'd have people on stage and I would just say like, you know, why don't we just for this community screening, why don't we invite like a dialogue with the audience, you know, have somebody on stage who can invite that kind of dialogue and help manage it. You know, it it can get a little bit, it can go a lot of places and, and we need support. And even just like people were like, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, yeah. Interest, I just, I think what happens is because I was in so many spaces where it made sense, the work we were doing or like facilitation or whatever. And then when I would kind of like run into spaces where it didn't make as much sense, I did have, a, I do, I think still have a hard time translating it. Right. When people are like, why would we do that? Yeah. And, and do you have a sense of what's going on there? Like, what is the big gulf? I always think people aren't really listening. Mm. That's usually my number one kind of like, is this why this isn't working? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, like listening in a, in a, a deep way, maybe. Um, and I think also just people haven't experienced it because as soon as they see it, mm-hmm. like even as soon as they see what happens when like the person on stage hosting sits down on the stage versus standing up, like, I can't tell you what the impact of that's going to be. I can try. But when you see it and feel it, you know it. You're like, oh. Or like, you know, more more acutely, like this is what's going to mean when the when the moderator is black and the audience is black. Mm-hmm. This is what it's going to mean. It's going to make a massive difference in the experience for the audience and for the moderator, but also for the audience. I don't always know how to put words to that, you know? Yeah, when people don't have the premises. No, and they, and they don't understand power, mm-hmm. you know, and how power is articulated in every space we walk into. And what are the small mechanisms, which I think about all the time as a facilitator, that I can do to sort of acknowledge at best and mitigate power imbalances at worst. Mm-hmm. Like that's just so acute for me. Mm-hmm. But if it's not for you, it's very hard to A, convince you that they exist <laughs> and B, that to, to ask you to trust me that it is possible to kind of mitigate them with these small gestures, which have a huge impact. Yeah, right. That take a certain investment, but the investment will pay off. Yeah. In something that you may not even have desired so that the person putting on the film festival may not have desired the audience dialogue. So they don't know how to get to your vision. 
And I was lucky because I always work with youth that I could use them as this like, yeah, but if we want to reach the youth, <laughs> right? <laughs> if we want to reach the youth, you know, youth aren't used to formal dialogues. They need more like conversational. Right. Which is true. Like, as you say, is all, all people need it. Yeah. <sighs> this is amazing. Um, so where, how did you get to Bloom? You met, you've met Nati, you've met Rehana, you've met Natalie Abdu at this point, Francesca. So were you there right in the beginning? Were you there at the, at that first dinner table that I keep hearing about? You were. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I had been through the trenches with Rihanna. Uh, I don't like military analogies, but um, I think Rihanna and I had done like four jams at that point. Hmm. And, and we can speak to some that were not well received by our community at the beginning. Um, you know, Toronto's a changing landscape and community work is changing and which just wasn't the time I think to, to offer that. And so we had kind of been through that and Rihanna had a baby, like we just, we've lived a lot of lives together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like upwards of 10 years that we've been in relationship with each other. And I think after when Rihanna's kid was like maybe three or four, I don't know. Oh, even yeah, young. She was like, I wanna start this thing. Like, can we gather around and see what's possible? And we did. Hmm. And uh, yeah, we sort of started dreaming into it, like names and concepts and ideas and offerings and, and sort of seeing what was there. Um, I didn't know Moyo as well, but we connected very quickly and we still do every time we meet. Um, and I didn't actually know Nat Abdu as well, but we had, we did similar theater work and we actually did an interplay weekend together that Rehana facilitated. Mm at sketch because of course yeah. <laughs> and, and you know we all just yeah I think we all like felt excited by and like celebrated the same things did you did you register it as a big difference in your work like going from the the film festival and that kind of community work into consulting or was that smooth for you or did you I'm just curious about what the, that shift was like for you um I mean I talk about this as like I love a sort of institutional backbone to like live against a little bit, hmm. to like work off and be in, in sort of dynamic dialogue with. Um, it offers me a bit of structure and a bit of like opportunity to also like, I'm not, I'm not gonna be like that, like a, a challenge kind of thing, which I really like, I like that structure. And then in the consulting end of things, I mean, I've never, I've only been a full-time consultant maybe for like six months full transparency for our listeners. Um, I think the thing I like the most about consulting is the consent from the group to have you come in and share what you're going to share. Nice. You know, like they've yeah. agreed to it. We've discussed what it's going to look like and they are like willing participants. A lot of groups I had worked with in the past, like they didn't really know it was coming, <laughs> you know, either because they were youth or because they just like signed up for this thing and then they don't know, you know, so um, I, I like that in consulting. I like that, like, even if I'm going to push you, like there's some consent to mm -hmm. this challenge because you, you've asked me for it, you know, you've asked me to do this and so that's why I'm doing it. Um, I like that a lot. And then in terms of like working with Bloom, I mean, uh, I like, there are days when I go from like a work meeting 
into a bloom meeting because I still have a full-time job. And like, I almost burst into tears coming into a bloom space. Um, and I, I try to get clear on like why, and like some of it's obvious, you know, like, you're loved. I'm invited in <laughs> yeah. But yes, that yeah. is what's true is that like here yeah. I am loved. And yeah. so that means like, you know, I, I try to challenge my own perfectionist tendencies, but it's like, it's breaking my brain to imagine that like I can fail and still be loved. Like I, I cannot understand that to be true. But in spaces like the jam, in spaces like Bloom, it's true. Yeah, it's true. And on a bad day at work, when I walk into that, even on Zoom, like my heart like melts. I, I just, and then I just feel so much more able to be myself. You know. Do you feel like the places that you've you're consulting with do you do you see this transformation where they're able to like create workspaces where love is love is part of the picture? I want that in government. Like, I'm just like, you know, where's, how do we get from here to there? I, I think, you know, I think what happens in workplaces is that there's camaraderie, right? Like yeah. there's chit chat, there's like jokes at the beginning of a meeting, but unfortunately yeah. the consequences of that for people who don't feel it are so negative. So I think what we actually need more in all workspaces is like that intentional relational work, you know, which is like structured. I can't stress my love of structure enough, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. So that people aren't left out of it. So it's not just happening across the power lines, the way they've already been determined and, so and they don't just reify those, those original pro like whatever your status quo or whatever you want to call it. Exactly. And it's not reliant on like, oh, we're all in the same workout class. Cause like, what if I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, I can't. Yeah. yeah. So like, how do we refoster what those connections are between us? Cause that has to be the basis of how we are, you know, intimate at work. Mm -hmm. And then your other intimacies, like they do kind of have to stay out of work. Like it's beautiful when it can all coexist, but if it doesn't, that's when teams start to feel a bit like lopsided, you know? Mm. And I think it's that intentional work that is so vulnerable for people. It's a lot harder to um, bring in. Yeah. Period. Yeah. You bring me back to your original comments about yourself as a young person at YouthCo, you know, and what it's like to actually feel the feelings in front of people, not talk about the feelings. And what the risk is, like, why managers wouldn't risk that? without skills yes and management skills are not the same i guess as facilitation skills because they're not product oriented hmm i'm actually answering my own question <laughs> but maybe but, but yeah maybe be. i can see that you might be able to help me they, they can be product oriented i mean i think yeah. that's what's really interesting about like you know some innovations in tech i don't know that much about it i just kind of hear whispers of it and it sounds so much like the work we do but for some reason like we never intersect like those design boutiques and things like yeah, that yeah. yeah 
But like, yeah. that is kind of the, the, the idea is like, if you feel good, if you can express yourself, if you can be here wholly, you can, you are more productive and you are participating in a more dynamic way in the workplace. And that's kind of the goal from a profit standpoint. Yeah. Wow. That's so what's the hold up. What's the hold up then, Bridget? Don't you say know, oil and gas. <laughs> I have no idea. What is the hold up? <laughs> The hold up. I think I think it's a couple of things. I think people don't trust that the workplace can actually be a place where they don't where they don't have to protect themselves, which I don't blame people yep. for in contemporary capitalism. Yep. And I think protecting yourselves means staying comfortable. Yep. Or uncomfortable, but in the ways that you can predict. You know, like in my workplace now, even when I ask people to like not offer feedback, but like participate in a creative discussion. <laughs> You know, like, I'm like, I don't want your feedback. Who are you? Keep it to yourself. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, that's just your panic zone. You're good, man. But even just that switch, it's like, why? Yeah. I'm like, what are you afraid of? But then I have to take it seriously. You're afraid of something. You're afraid of something here. Something's been broken that inviting a creative conversation feels risky for you. It feels like it comes from school trauma almost like wrong answer, the fear of the wrong answer, the fear of, yeah. of not knowing the huge implied consequences. Like if you don't know, you'll never survive. Yeah. And like having to be right. Right. Like, yeah. Or not being able to say like, oh my gosh, I got that wrong. Like how ill practiced we are at like, I'm so sorry. Like I got that completely wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah and what you're what you're describing is like taking steps into the unknown like you're even the metaphor you used earlier was like the path is almost growing in front of the feet so how could someone predict their rightness how could they try to be right in that context it doesn't even exist yet I can see why that's terrifying and if you don't have an arts practice you don't have, where are you practicing facing the unknown or if you don't have agreements, yeah, yeah, <laughs> where you specifically invite, right? Like yeah, I do my yeah, best right. to name these things. We're not going to debate. We're not going to debate here. We're going to do like we're going to work really hard to challenge like this real shit vestige of white supremacy, which is like this white right or wrong thing. White or wrong? That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's also true. Um, <laughs> you know, and like name that, and then that. I just did a group last week, two things that they said changed their like understanding of the time we are spending together is the no debate rule, which, you know, wasn't a rule, it was an invitation, truly. I said, let, let all of our truths coexist here, not to the extent of harm, then we'll, inter we'll, we'll interrupt it. But, you know, if you think something's true and I think something true, who are we to say that that's not true, right? Yeah. yeah. And everything's an invitation, truly. You want to walk out of the space by all, oh, please have enough respect for me to walk out of the space and for yourself, you know? And they were like, I've, I, I've never, I've never encountered that. The actual agency that the door is open. And that we can have multiple truths here. Yeah. And we inevitably do. Yep. And they can live together. hundred percent. You don't even have to believe mine. <laughs> yeah. But they're not going to not coexist. 
Yeah, you don't even have to, it doesn't even have to be explicit. Yeah. But they can be quashed. What does that mean? Like, if sometimes things are not explicit, but they're still alive in the space, like your truth, right. the way you sit, the way you talk, the way you, you know, whatever. But then sometimes you, your truth is squished down in the space, it's invisible. It's not alive in the space. And sometimes even when you're explicit, it still can't live. And I think that's how people get named as the angry one or the troublemaker or whatever. I lost you for a minute. Did you? Yeah. Oh, and now you're frozen a little bit. You're back. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, I love what you're saying. I think, I think you've been talking about it the whole time what it means to be able to bring your truth, your true self, and to be seen for that. And it takes a whole lot of trust in the group for your mm -hmm. truth not to hurt, my, like not to threaten mine. Yep, there has to be enough space. There has to be enough trust that we're, we're there's going to be space here for both of us. Yeah. And I call it like air between us. Like, is there air between us? We're like, hmm. you get to be you and I get to be me. And you don't threaten me and I don't threaten you. Hmm. And that includes me like barking down someone's throat when they say something I disagree with. Cause it, I am that person. <laughs> I'm like, you're wrong. And I need to tell you, <laughs> and I need to, I need it to be clear that I am right. And like, it's like the perfectionism thing. Like I need to break my brain to say like, what do I need to just let you have that? Mm -hmm. and maybe it's like five breaths and then maybe I'm going to actually think about like some questions I want to ask you or I, I want to come back to you with curiosity but I don't need to like destroy you <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. and then what what I hear you talking about is how do we get to a place where it's actually impossible to destroy the other person even if you were barking the space also, is enough agency and enough boundaries and that and that the door is open this is one thing I learned at the time zone is that the draw I've always loved drop-ins more than anything, the drop-in space has always been my favorite facilitated space. And I think this is partly why what you're saying is that the door's open, you can leave if you want to. So then you, much more can be said if people can leave if they want to. And I guess at work you can't because of capitalism or whatever the stakes of survival. Yeah, and because most workplaces function as like panic zones all the time. Yeah. I don't know if you've done a whole episode on panic zone, comfort zone, stretch zone, but if I haven't, but I'd really like to, and maybe I could do it with you. Oh my God. It's like my singular framework for my entire life. Really? Yes. Because walking out of a room is acknowledging that I'm in my panic zone and I can't get out of it right now. I don't want, I can't, so I need to leave. Mm. And that's a beautiful thing. Great. You don't have to get out of it. You don't have to, you don't have to come back. And let me show you that we're here when you do, you know, like, oh, that's agency to me. That's, that's all of it. That I can leave when I want to, and you're here when I get back. Yeah. There's no and consequence that, for me having taken care of myself. Exactly. And there's no forcing you to regulate or be emotionally somewhere you're not. Ooh. Like, let's talk about that a little more deeply. I think that that's very interesting because the notion of, I'd love you to dig in a little bit about what 
forcing someone to regulate might mean? So like in your panic zone, you're either in fight or flight. And, you know, I, we always use the word panic, but I actually think it's a misnomer. Like I think kind of capitalism is a panic zone. <laughs> Truly, like I think our yes, world is truly. kind of conditioning us to dissociate a lot. Social media is like a beautiful example of avoidance. It's not necessarily, not all the time, you know, everything I'm saying, there are truths outside of it, obviously. Um, but when we talk about it, what I love about the framework is like, it's not bad to be anywhere that you are. There's no judgment attached to being stressed, tired, hungry, sad, traumatized, none of it. Just know what's happening when you're there so that you can take care of yourself and maybe you can take care of me because what happens is, you know, conflicts happen in the panic zone when for me, like I'm heightened, I'm stressed and I'm trying to fight with my partner and I'm trying to fight there because I feel a weird power and sense of like urgency all from this heightened stress. Mm. And that's where we have an issue because I'm attacking you. And I want to be there. It feels great in the moment. Um, but, it, <laughs> you know, it's not the way we're going to come out of it. Hmm. So what's, what works better for me is like, let me have my anger. Let me have it. Don't ask me to not be angry. I'm angry. And that feeling is actually, it's really important for me. It's asserting a boundary for me and it's showing me something that's true. But then what do I need to do to come out of it and come back? And what can I expect when I come back? Exactly. And then that's trust, right? Will you love me on the other side of this feeling? Will someone still be here when I come back? And that's how I think people start to feel like, okay, I can, I can be in all the places. You mean it when you say there's no judgment, you know, because you're still here. Mm -hmm. And because I was allowed to go there. You didn't like, I didn't hear there was something wrong with that. Okay, then take us to the stretch zone since yeah. you're, already, you're already this far. <laughs> oh my God. Stretch zone. Well, we always describe it that this is a framework that we use at the gym. I'll just name that. Um, and the stretch zone, we always say it is like it's the place where you're listening again. Oh, wow. That's it. So, what happens is in the panic zone, we're seeking connection, but we're, we're disconnected because we're not listening. And if you, I, when now when I notice when I'm fighting, for example, in my panic zone, I'm repeating myself over and over again. And like, I can feel it physically, like my, my mouth, you know, my tongue goes to the top of my mouth. Like I know it, but I'm like, oh, it's like a dog. Like I can't leave. <laughs> I really need like a kind of physical movement out. And then in my stretch zone, I just, again, it, it's the breath. Like I, there's space. I can hear you. I can hear you and I can think like, oh, I really don't even like what you're saying, but I can hear it. And I can feel that space of like between it. Like, oh, I don't love that. That's maybe what's going on for me. I don't like what you're saying. But it's like, it's coming in. And so then I can kind of engage. And I often describe it as the stretch, the panic zone for me is you, you're this, you're that, you're this, and the stretch zone is I. I'm really feeling like shit. Mm. I'm really having a hard time. I'm really feeling disconnected. It's not really about 
the other person so, so much. Not always, not always, but that's a trend I notice in myself. Wow, that was very generous. Thank you. <laughs> I can feel how deeply you are living this. Yeah. It's really and beautiful. You notice it everywhere. And you know, in the in, I don't know if this is a agreement you've used or if actually Pi uses it, but the I statements, using I statements. Mm -hmm. You know, we, it's a big value at the gym and it's interesting because it kind of invites the stretch and I say it all the time. And it's really interesting to notice in groups when people start to move to the U, like they're just trying to pull themselves out a little bit more and a little bit more. And I'm like, oh, you're leaving a little bit. And then when they try to come, like watching people practice, I love it because it is kind of counterintuitive at this point. Mm -hmm. Even me, like sometimes my co, my co-folks at Bloomer Jam, they'll be like, that was a lot of ewing in your last thing. And I'm like, well, thanks so much for the feedback, guys. <laughs> and I'm like, I was teaching. <laughs> I mean, I think that there is a real dissociation that is that is at hand in the last, you know, few years of this particular era. Like the just the fact of, of having an avatar of any kind makes it quite complex to find yourself, let alone speak for yourself. It's not funny, but it does kind of, it, the only thing is that it's, it's, it's funny in the sense that the, the ask is so human and what's in the way is so human. <laughs> that makes it funny to me. Totally. And that's why like now I don't, I don't, I don't, I really think about like, okay, if I'm going to spend a lot of my time kind of, you know, with John and that's true, how am I going to also try to spend some time not with John mm -hmm. you know, or not in avoidance? How am I going to look at this stuff? And that's where I feel like I have to be more intentional. Like if I go through my day and I notice, okay, this and this, I'm going through the motions, but when am I coming back? And maybe it's twice a week at the beginning. Maybe it's like at art class, whatever it is for you your workouts, your walks with friends, you know, just for me, I'm just like, okay, I need to make sure this is happening sometimes. And mm -hmm. again, that's what I love about that model is like, just getting clear on where you're at. And then what can you learn? Like, what can I learn from that? Okay. Where am I going most of the time, you know, and, and what's missing when I'm there and what's happening for me when I'm there. That's the other beautiful, that's the debrief of the, of the framework is like, what works about you here and what's missing for you here. And I love those questions. Yeah. Wow. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say it's true. There's a lot I'm getting and there's a lot I'm not getting. Very true. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the framing of the stretch zone as the self. I, I never really thought of it that way. I, of course, it, I, it makes perfect sense. I've, I guess I've always thought the stretch zone is where I'm like, I'm like learning new things. It's like mm -hmm. where things are extended, but, but the way that I hear you've got it, it's like the stretch is to return. And that, that makes it into this very rich thing where I leave myself and I return to myself. And that's the, that is the growing, the cycle of learning. Yeah. And it's vulnerable. Mm -hmm. 
And so maybe learning's vulnerable for you. Maybe only certain types of learning are vulnerable for you. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe school has enough dissociation that it's less vulnerable. It's more comfort, you know, mm-hmm. some stuff's coming in, you know, but to me, the stretch zone is for me in my life, it's, it's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's vulnerable. Wow. What an awesome conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I haven't talked enough about Bloom. What more? What yeah, what I more? Think? What more? What more should we say about Bloom? Well, I, I guess I'm really interested in your role in communications. Mm-hmm. Um, and how are you how are you offering this to the world? Like, because a lot of times, like you said, right, it's it's hard to tell people what we're doing and why. Like when you were talking about being a moderator, for example, <laughs> like this is why we need this. What? You know, <laughs> what are you talking about? So how are you working with that in terms, because Bloom is even, I would say, m- more uh, difficult to describe than a moderated dialogue at a, at a film festival. You know, like that's something that does exist. But what Bloom's doing is quite edgy in terms of consulting. Um, how do you communicate? What are you doing? <laughs> What's your vision for communicating this with the world? I mean, I think I... It hasn't all been me. I like the, the majority of the words that Bloom lives and breathes are Rehana's. Like, I just have to be very clear and upfront about that. I think where I support is like getting clear. And what we talk about a lot is like, don't write for you, write for your reader a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. like so I, I talk a lot about storytelling. Like a lot of times I think as facilitators too, we talk about once you're there, but like, imagine the person before they've gotten there, like you got to mm. walk them down the path a little bit. Where are they starting? Where will they go to? And where are they going to come out? You know, like that to me is, is some of it. So like, even in the articles, like this is like, we know why we're writing the articles, which you can find on our website. And they're just kind of like some of the ideas that Bloom's thinking through, but I'm like, you have to tell the reader why you're thinking about this because maybe they're not thinking about it. They don't know why a consulting group is writing about relationships and then relationships sound like dating. Is this going to be a dating article? <laughs> no. So like, it's like, <laughs> you know, good point. Always, yeah. That's a great point. And handholding always like, it has this like patronizing feel, but I think it's just true. you got to kind of hold people's hands to like take them where you are, you know? Mm. So I think about it a lot that way. Um, and I think just like more and more, it's kind of like my obsession with structure. Like even in email, like it's the beginning, it's gotta be clear, it's gotta be warm. It's gotta make like perfect, as much sense to the reader as possible. You know, I, I, I just cannot stress that enough. <laughs> make your emails or like I'm obsessed with information design and I actually don't know that much about it, but I'm like acutely aware that there are documents I read and I have one feeling about them and there are documents I read and I have another feeling about them. And so much of that is how the information is laid out for me. And that's I facilitation. That's exactly, that's what I keep saying. It's the same. Whoa. It, it, so it's like in the written word and it, it, it's gotta be clear. It's just hmm. gotta be clear. And what clarity means and blah, blah, blah. those are, you know, expansive conversations, but Um, that's definitely part of what I think about when I think about Bloom's communications. And when I think about, you know, we've touched, I always used to talk about facilitating like as magic in the air. Like all of us, if you felt the magic, you know, you know, the secret society, (laughs) if you haven't felt the magic, you don't know. 
So yeah. it's talking about a bit of magic in the air. What does that mean? So how, like now at Bloom, we try to get like a little bit more, and you'll see on the website now versus maybe the first utterance of it, we try to get a bit more specific maybe on like what we're talking about. And, you know, one of the visions I have is like, if you are here, we might recommend you go here, you know, like really trying to like, people can name their issues. And if we're proposing a solution, not a solution, good God, but like a, an opportunity to transform some of the things they're challenged by, then let's just, let's write that out. <laughs> let's write out the issues that we hear about all the time and how some of what we do seeks to like dialogue with those issues, you know? So trying to find the words that go around the magic in the air. Wow. Communications as facilitation, as information design. Yes. It's exciting. Yeah. I, I don't know where to like put my brain to learn more about it, but I know there are like, there are people who do this work and they are phenomenal. I mean, even if you look at like Instagram over the last four years, like some of the content being put out on Instagram that is like tackling major, major systemic issues, like with so much clarity. I mean, nothing is without the drawbacks, like nuance. We miss it. We love you. <laughs> Come back anytime. See you in the dialogue conversation that goes with the meme. But I, I really do give, give those folks huge credit for the, like the free, incredible content that I get to consume and learn from every day on those platforms. Yeah. Unbelievable. Hmm. What else, what else, is there anything else we need to say? This has just been so sprawling and fantastic. I know. It's just the kind of conversation I love to have. Good. But I'm just trying to scan back and see if we left any threads or if there's anything else that you would like to, to say to people who, the kind, I mean, I'm curious about who's listening, but I think that there's, it's, I, th I think that there's something about the Adaptogen podcast for me that's really about how unique each person's offering really is, you know? Um, yeah, so I wonder if there's anything in the picture of you that we might have missed. Mm. Like the, what really formed you into the creature that you are? Um, I ask myself that every day. Every day, right? And, no, I have but a little I, I, one. and I'm like, yeah, what's forming little... him into this creature yeah. that he is? Um, yeah. You know, I don't know what formed me, to be honest, but I often think about like, what did I need? What did I need? Mm -hmm. you know, what did I want? What did I need? What did I long for? And of course, I don't pretend everybody has the same needs as I do. But imagine a little bit like, what are they needing out there a little bit? You know, when I, when I look at a group and I think, okay, guys, what, what do you need in here? What do you need? Do you need to laugh a little? Do you need to play a little? Do you need to not play? Because <laughs> that's going to like freak you out, you know, and that's okay. And then like, you know, how can I play with some of the things that you're, you're not comfortable with yet? How can we get a bit playful there? You know, how can we bring some like lightness, some warmth? Like, I really think about like, you shine a light from your gut shine a light from your gut onto the group that you're working with and like see where it points you like 
you know, it touches them. Hopefully that's what you want. And I, I really like, again, it's like this loving, like radiation that like, I've got to believe that when I'm working with a group, I want to love you, but also like, let that light show me what, what's, what are some of these like dark spots where we need to go, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah, I think for me, that comes back to like, when I felt missed and when I felt caught, Yeah, you know? And now can I look out at a group and even if my assumptions are wrong, can I imagine some of the places this group might've felt missed and some of the ways that I can catch them? And, you know, I think working with big institutions has been so formative because I know very quickly how this institution has missed you. And I'm gonna, I'm starting from that place. We have already, there's already harm that's been done here. So I'm starting from a place of repair. And that's the difference. That's where like you, you might feel a bit more welcomed here because you know it. Mm-hmm. And, and then if I know it, oh, wow, that's, that's a lot more possibility. So that's something I think about a lot. But one thing I, I love about Bloom <laughs> is that we are always jamming in the work. Like every, like new clients, new ideas, new ways of doing, checking in with each other, tending to each other, like that to me is, is such a rich and honest part of facilitation. Like I can't imagine, or consulting, I can't imagine a group that like just figured out a process and never kind of touched it again. Um, And that just feels like so true to all the work I want to do and to have a team to do it with that kind of sees things that I see. And even now, like me and Rehana, we we're sort of synced up. And when we go back to like our jam team, we're like, we design in like seven seconds. We're like, we have to like slow down so that other folks can join us where we are, you know? And it's cool to think that like over 10 years, we kind of like built towards this place where we get to, we get to work together in that way. And that like we, we've known so many parts of our, our lives. And I think for the first time, because these people have become my community, my friends, my coworkers, all of it, I don't have that like inside outside split anymore. You know, like they, they know, they know both of them. They know what I do for a living and they know some of my inside stuff. And that's like, I, I, I feel very, very blessed that that is the truth in my life and that we're, we're trying to live, we're trying to live deeply and truthfully with each other. I'm so glad you added that. Yeah. I just wanted to throw in that sweet pie bloom. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. I'm going to, I'm going to end the recording. I didn't even say that you were like one of my biggest teachers. How did this happen? <laughs> that would have, cause it would have been very awkward. <laughs> Nadia is my biggest facilitation teacher ever. She has taught me everything I know <laughs> and has the best loud, soft voice control with a group ever. Hey, thank you. That's, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> when you go quiet, when you go quiet, like something, I'm going to tell you something big, but it's quiet. I'm like, oh yeah, you are. <laughs> something to be seen. Mm. <laughs> thank you, Bridget. That makes